0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Well, good morning. Very good to uh, be together this morning. Ascindikerspius. A blessed Christmas. I like that. Um, I don't hear it very often, but I like that better than the, the traditional Merry Christmas. Uh, might, uh, you might not have a Merry Christmas, but you can have a Blessed Christmas, amen? <laughs> That's good. Well, we want to turn this morning to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to, we're going to be looking at um, uh, the section here. Uh, that we have from Zechariah. As we think about uh, Christmas, uh, you know, for many, it's all about uh, a vacation or visiting family, which is all good things. Or for many, the shopping, you know, getting getting the, the right gifts and so forth. And you know, there's many people as well. We're uh, coming more and more common for people to really be opposed to uh, christ the the message of the gospel and uh, are trying to really do all they can to remove christ from christmas celebration time of the year but for us who know the lord uh, our hearts are drawn to him in worship aren't they Uh, we want to uh, praise the lord for his coming to earth to be our savior and uh, we also realize that this time of year, for many people, it can become a uh, somewhat discouraging time of year, or um, sometimes a disappointing uh, time of, of year because of expectations or focus that uh, might not be right. But if our, if our focus at Christmas is on Christ, then we won't be disappointed we won't be disappointed with christmas but for for many who have put their focus on something or someone else when you know christmas is over they're left kind of empty many times because the the day didn't meet up to expectations and many times these expectations are on other people family which is which is a you know a good thing to come together but if all of your hope or your your desire to be fulfilled or happy is dependent on family, then you might be very well disappointed because family doesn't always um, live up to the expectation, do they? Or if, if your focus is on things, gifts you receive, that often uh, also will leave you a bit... Uh, uh, discouraged, because there's always um, something more, isn't there? And there's always someone who got a better better uh, toy than we did. Uh, and then there's, you know, this often expectation of an emotion. Um, I call it the, the Hallmark movie, you know, expectation. <laughs> you know, there's this expectation of, um, you know, feelings of happiness or contentment. That uh, many times are, they're, they're just not real, and they're they're misplaced because they're not placed in the person of Christ. And when we put our focus in Him, we we come and re- reflect upon His coming to Earth, to to, to, um, to be our Savior. Then then our hearts is filled with uh, with joy, with praise to the Lord. And it's only in Him that we really find true contentment and true true joy. It's in our, our relationship with the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, if you have your place there, I want us to uh, to look from verse 67. And uh, it's a long chapter in Luke. It gives us the, um, the accounts uh, leading up to the birth of Christ. And here in this section from verse 67... We have uh, this song of praise from Zechariah, and I would like for us just to, um, just to read through that uh, down through verse 79, verse 67, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people because of the tender mercy of of God, of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Our fathers, we come before you this morning. We thank you for uh, this time of year that we've, that we have been set aside to give special attention and really celebration of the the coming of Christ to be born uh, as a man, as a baby, to to live and to die for us, our sins could be forgiven. Lord, I pray today that our hearts would be stirred as we think about what you have done for us and that uh, we might uh, rejoice in you this morning. And so we pray your word. Will accomplish its purposes the spirit of god would open our hearts to your word in jesus name amen well this song is often referred to as the benedictus that's the the latin from the latin translation the first word in that translation the blessed as in the blessed be the lord and when this is used of god this idea of being blessed it has the meaning of praise, and so what he's what he's saying here is praise be unto the Lord. So the Afrikaans vertaling Luifwaarde is die Here, and He is certainly worthy of our praise. And as we think about uh, the Lord sending um, the Son of God to come and to be born uh, as a man. Uh, man, child, we would say. And to live and to die, he is certainly worthy of our praise. You'll, you'll remember, um, most of you, uh, who Zechariah is. If you go back to um, uh, verse, first part of this chapter, I'm, ver- I'm going to read for you from verse 5 to 7 and give you just a little bit of context about Zechariah. Uh, verse 5 says, this is still in Luke 1, We can continue reading there, but uh, most of you remember the the situation. Uh, Zechariah, as one of the priests in Israel, was providentially chosen to uh, serve as priest uh, to offer up the incense in the temple. He would go into the holy place and offer up, up incense. And this would have been a great privilege for him it's really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for one of the priests. Um, the historian jo- Josephus uh, estimated that there was 20,000 priests in, uh, in, in at that time, and so it would um, many many priests would not be chosen, and, and, and you were only chosen one time to go in and serve in this way because uh, there was only you know so many. Opportunities for that, and so this was a great privilege for him. And as he goes in to offer up the um, uh, the incense there, which symbolized prayer, sending up to God, the people would have been been waiting outside, no doubt praying, and the priest would go in and offer up prayers for the nation, for the people, and uh, and 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 light the incense and. While he's doing that, the angel Gabriel appears to him. Now that uh, we we can only imagine what that would be like. Um, But he's very fearful as most ever appearance of uh, this type of uh, angelic being. And uh, the angel tells him not to fear and he announces to uh, Zechariah that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son and that they're to name him John. Well, Zechariah, he doubts uh, that, about that and asks you know, for some proof of that or sign of that. And as a sign, he's really given a, a bit of a rebuke by being left uh, unable to speak. He, he's, he's left uh, dumb until, um, until the child is born. And evidently, he was also unable to uh, to hear as well as because in that passage in verse 62 later after John is born, uh, they make signs to him, which would possibly indicate that he also couldn't hear. And uh, so, in any case, he's uh, he's been waiting uh, for at least nine months uh, for this child and. Um, He's been unable to unable to speak, and uh, when when the people were waiting, they they there's kind of an expected amount of time he would have come out, but he didn't come out. He's taken longer, and so they're wondering about what's happened to to, um, to Zechariah. And when he comes out, he can't speak. He can't pronounce the the blessing that they would have expected him to give from Numbers uh, chapter six, uh, the the well. Known blessing to them that says, "The Lord bless you and keep you; the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you; the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace." But when when Zechariah comes out, there's nothing. You know, he's just motioning with his hands, trying to uh, trying to, to help them see understand what happened. And so John, uh, uh, they've been waiting for this child to be born. And then after the birth of John, Zachariah is able to speak again. And no doubt he's got a lot he wants to say. But the Holy Spirit of God fills him to give a prophecy concerning uh, the coming of Christ. And this is a praise. And it's not, this, it's not really a praise as we would have expected about uh, John. His son that would be born, it's really a prophecy about the one that John would, would proclaim. He would prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and our, our Savior. Uh, before we get into that, the text, I, I want us to think about why is praising the Lord important? Yeah, I thought about this, just a couple of ideas here first of all it's the right thing to do when we consider who God is and what he's done for us it's just proper to praise the Lord Uh, as David in Psalm 147 and verse 1 says praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting or is this it's just the right thing do not praise God as, as a believer has received so much is, uh, is a very strange and, and out of place for us. Uh, another reality is that He is worthy of our praise. Uh, it, it, when we praise God, we're reminded of who He is and what He's done for us. Again, as David said in Psalm 107 and verse 8, Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. For his wondrous works uh, to the children of man. Well, praise should not be just empty words, as you know, as in singing a song without even thinking about what you're saying or singing. Uh, praise should be based upon truth, the truth of God's word. And you'll notice uh, if you if you have it already, go back and read. There's um, a four. Uh, songs in, um, in Luke um, here uh, related to the, the, the coming of Christ. And all of these uh, praise, these, these psalms are, are filled with uh, quotations and allusions from the Old Testament. Uh, they are based upon the Word of God. And uh, so, so should our praise be filled with truth from God's Word about what god has done for us um, you know not just not just what he's doing now uh, for us that particular day or what we want him to do for us or or uh, answer to prayer but think about who god is and uh, and what he's done for us uh, specifically as it re- relates to his redemptive work of salvation for us well this is the uh, The great need today, isn't it, in our world is for this redemption, for this salvation that is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, His opening words there in the song, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And then he gives us the reason for his praise. For he has visited and redeemed his people. Uh, this, uh, this word here, redemption, you may, you may not be that familiar with, uh, with this word. The idea of redemption is to, is to set free by paying a price. Uh, it's los In Afrikaans, los chakup. And it's, God is often referred to as a Redeemer in Israel. If you, you read through the Scriptures, you'll, you'll realize that this truth is often repeated, this redemption, and God is our Redeemer. And He's often praised through the Psalms for His redemption, and specifically as it relates to the nation of Israel, His, his uh, chosen people and the promises that were made to them. And we really see a clear picture of that if you go back into... Uh, Exodus where they are delivered out of bondage in Egypt as God in uh, chapter 12 finally after the last plague is brought upon the Egyptians they are allowed to go free and God is brought about this redemption this deliverance of the people but even in this physical deliverance God is Teaching the more important truth of a spiritual deliverance, a spiritual salvation, uh, he he gave the. Just coming out of that, he gives this memorial of the Passover, you, you know, the where that that they could remember, and uh, recount to their children uh, what God did for them in their deliverance, and and he gave them the. Uh, uh, the sacrifice of the lamb, if you remember, uh, and, the, and the application of the blood on the doorpost. Uh, and it, it all symbolized the fact of that this was offered up as a substitute for them. And, and God is teaching them and He's looking forward to, He's leading them to look forward to this coming one that would be a substitute for us. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. When John, you remember, saw Him, he, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, He, he is our substitute that He might, might set us free from the bondage to sin and death and hell. As you think about Israel this time, there was a remnant of believers in Israel uh, like Zechariah, Elizabeth, like Mary, and these others that were living in expectation of the coming of this Messiah, a king that would redeem them and bring about salvation. Notice the words following in the text there in verse uh, 69. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He's he's not talking about John. John was of the priestly line, that uh, coming from Aaron, but uh, this one he's referring to is the Messiah, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that would come. And he's he's talking about uh, this horn is is a reference to strength. And so he comes with power to save, to deliver. And he says, As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all all who hate us. And then notice in verse 74 and 75, that, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so Zechariah was... Among this believing remnant of Jews who had a a genuine faith in God, but for the but for the you could say the majority of the nation, holiness and righteousness really wasn't their main concern. Uh, they were not really looking for that spiritual deliverance as much as they were for a physical deliverance. They wanted to be, delivered out of the hand of the Roman Empire and this, this uh, sense of uh, bondage that they were under. It was a domination. And, uh, and so many, many of their thoughts turned to this physical deliverance. And Jesus, when He came this first time, He's talking about spiritual truths and spiritual salvation. He's, he, he's leaving them somewhat disappointed and he really became a person, a Messiah that they were not really expecting and really didn't want. And we see him being rejected, and um, eventually, the leaders turned him over to be crucified. And uh, and we see that for many, uh, there's evidently this sense that God had forgotten them. It had been 400 years since God had spoken through His prophet um, uh, Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. It's 400 years now. God has uh, been silent in a sense and hasn't given at least any revelation that we're recorded or aware of. But now God is visiting His people. He's come up on the scene and He's now uh, brought about this This uh, fulfillment of a prophecy of a forerunner, a messenger, to prepare the way for the coming of the Savior. Notice how he says it in verse 76, speaking about John, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. And John would be a unique individual, much like the prophet Elijah, and uh, he would even dress in that uh, kind of an attire and live in the, in the remote places, and uh, he was a, a mighty prophet of the Lord, and he, he, he led the people to not focus so much on the outward things, but to focus on their inward need. This need for a spiritual problem that they had. They, he preached a, a message of repentance. That they might turn to the Lord. And that they would um, have the forgiveness of their sins and be delivered out of their, their spiritual bondage. Well, spiritually speaking, every person is born a slave. A slave to their own sin. Uh, we come into this world that is ruled by Satan. You might be a bit shocked by that truth. But uh, the Bible describes him as a prince in the power of the air here on this, here on this earth. He, he's under the rule of God, but God has, has allowed him this space and time to really work against God or try to work against God. And because of our fallen nature, we all come under this domain of the evil one. And he, he is working night and day to keep unbelievers in spiritual darkness. He's trying to keep them blinded to the truth of the gospel. And this is why Jesus came. This is why He came to be born as one of us, that He would live a sinless and a holy life and to lay it down for us so that we who turn to Him in faith would be delivered from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. It is by God's grace, the Spirit of God shines the light of the gospel of Christ upon the heart of a sinner so that he would be confronted with his sin and, and turn to the Lord for salvation. John describes this like the, the dawning of a new day. Notice, notice there in verse 78 through 79, he says, "...because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness, And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Well, this imagery of light coming to those that are in darkness is a a direct uh, reference to Old Testament prophecies concerning uh, this this Messiah, this One that would come and bring light. This coming of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. His coming is like the dawning of a new day, like the sunrise from the east that that really reveals a new day for us. And with the coming of Christ, there's a new day of grace and truth. We are living today in this day, this time of God's grace, a day of salvation for all that would turn to Christ in faith. When the light of the Gospel shines upon some people, they turn away from it. They would rather have the darkness. They turn away from this light and reject it. And others, through the working of the Spirit of God, allow this light to shine upon them, to convict them of their sin, to show them their need, and that they would turn from the darkness to the light and receive forgiveness. Paul often speaks of this um, this metaphor of light in conversion. He he talks about his his, recounts his own conversion and the ministry of the gospel that God had given him. In Acts twenty six, as he's in verse from verse eighteen, he's he's talking about his own testimony. He talks about how God, the Lord Jesus, spoke to him and gave him this commission to. And he says, "To open their eyes." so that they may turn from the darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Me." Do you know Christ in this way? Is is that your testimony that, that, that God has brought about this transformation in your life to turn you from the darkness to the light and brought you into a kingdom The kingdom of light, the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is is true in your life, then praise Him. Praise Him for His glorious work. It is the the natural response of a heart that has been delivered from the darkness into the light. Again, Paul testifies about this God, the, the Creator God. He says, God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Lord. Amen. Father, we do want to give praise unto you this morning for the Lord Jesus Christ is coming, fully God, and yet also fully man coming and taking upon the flesh, becoming one of us and yet without sin, that You might die for us as our substitute, that we might be forgiven. Lord, we praise You for Your glorious work of deliverance in our lives. Help us, Lord, to recount where You've delivered us from. Help us to see clearly our hopelessness without You. And Your grace and mercy that has brought us into a relationship with You through the Lord Jesus Christ. May we truly uh, not only praise You with our lips, but with our lives as we go forth today. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.